Welcome to the Latin Tutor Podcast. If your child is struggling in Latin, then look no further. My name is Emma Williams, and I'm here with practical tips and strategies to help you to help your child. Or maybe you're a teacher, wondering about the best approaches to the trickiest concepts in this unforgiving subject. With my 21 years as a teacher of Latin, as well as a private tutor, I've got a lot of experience to share with you. So if you're ready, incipiamus, let's begin. Yes, I, I, I can't think this will get that controversial, but you never know. I mean, you I, never, well, we'd never know with you, Ed. <laughs> well, there, there's an element of that, yeah. Um... <laughs> Ed Clark published his first Latin textbook in his early 20s, and more recently began work on the Clark's Latin project, and then Clark's Greek. He has his own business, creating, manufacturing and selling his work to individuals and schools across the UK. Ed's an exam setter for Common Entrance Latin with ISCB, and he co-chaired the consultation committee, which created the new specifications, which launched last year. He served a term as classics advisor for the Independent Association of Prep Schools, and was also a consultant on the DfE's new Latin Excellence Programme. I'm actually pretty stunned he agreed to appear on this podcast, but I've basically been stalking him online. My biggest controversy in the world of classics was um, getting rid of the question four for those those common entrance papers. And people were so up in arms about losing that mythology question. Were uh, they? Because I thought that was fantastic because you can still do it, can't you? It's just a separate paper. Well, that's that's the thing. Uh, I mean, I... Um, yeah, one of the last IAPS conference that I did, which was during one of the many lockdowns, I think that was that was April 21, people were quite het up about it. Um, and I made exactly that point. I mean, we're now, you know, it, it never, one, it never made any sense to have a, a mythology question tacked onto the end of what is ostensibly a Latin language paper. No one gave two hoots. Nobody ever marked it or included it or in anything. You know, it was ignored or everyone was automatically given 10 out of 10. We've now got a whole proper classical civilization paper. So we've matched GCSE and, and you know, that capacity is there. And you can do that language, that um, CC paper, with as much work as the old question four used to take. So if you see what I mean, I mean, it was specifically designed that way. You could do three years of classical civilization and answer that paper. But equally, uh, you know, a little bit of work would do. It did just seem to me to be a bit of a learner list of bullet points. Well, yes. And actually, it was it was fine for those kids who were Greek mythology geeks. And and, you know, there were always a good number of those who invariably knew more than I did and were always <laughs> saying, oh, did you know, sir, that Zeus's maiden aunt did, you know. <laughs> I couldn't care less. Probably, yeah. I mean, <laughs> anything goes in ancient mythology. <laughs> but, but for the kids who weren't familiar with the elements of it, it was essentially a massive exercise in learning by rote that a lot of yeah. them found very difficult. And they're going to get enough learning by rote with their Latin vogue. <laughs> well, indeed. And I would, you know, I'd rather that they understood the language, which is what we're mm. principally trying to teach and examine in that paper, than being able to spell, you know, polyphemus or whatever. It's um, <laughs> cutting back on rote learning was kind of ISCB's main philosophy with these changes. It's, you know, it's fine to rote learn things if they have an application. But if you're merely rote learning in order to parrot it back in an exam, then, uh, you know, what's what's the, the point in that on some level? Mm, I totally agree. 
I feel we agree on a lot of things, Ed, when it comes to teaching Latin. You are the author of of a unique Latin course, which I think is fantastic. It's my own podcast, so I can promote you as much as I like. Do you want to explain your why you wrote it and, and what your philosophy is behind it? Sure. Well, I, I, I first wrote and published um, a Latin book, Variatio, back in gosh, 2015 now, so quite some time ago. And I wrote that in my early 20s as a result of essentially I graduated, I went into teaching and there really weren't any textbooks around that I I particularly liked or that I felt did everything that I wanted them to do. And I found myself still using uh, L.A. Wilding's Latin course for schools that I had been taught with at prep school. But it was published in 1949 uh, and had a lot of kind of, you know, I lay waste and I take by storm and wither whence this sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> the kids couldn't quite, you know, whelm ye the bark in the sea. Uh, it, it was just a bit too old fashioned now. Uh, to be using. So I invariably, as we all end up doing for this very reason, created a lot of my own resources. And it got to a point where I had a book's worth of them. But as the years have gone by, I've really understood just how much practice is required for kids truly to get the hang of something. And, you know, sometimes if someone's particularly bright or has a very good memory, they can take to a topic very quickly and move on to the next one. But there will always be kids who need a thousand questions on a Massimat if they're truly to master that topic in such a way that they'll retain it and be able to apply it later on once they've covered other things as well. And I developed a way of generating simple words and sentences on the computer in, in Microsoft Excel, in fact, which, which now has some extraordinary powers for uh, noticing and filling patterns, essentially. So I could feed in vocabulary and a particular grammatical element and create every possible permutation of the vocab and grammar that I had. So it it dramatically reduced the length of time it took me to create resources. I mean, I, I wrote all five volumes in a year and a half. So the you know the first volume of, of CL has about 5,000, 6,000 questions, something like that. And it really is a thousand on ammo, a thousand on the nominative case. Really, the, the key philosophy being that the teacher should never have to create anything new. Of course, with a bright class, you can jump through it. You're never expected to do everything that's there. And, and in all of my teaching in schools, I always used to say, well, do 30 questions and see how you're faring. If you feel at that point you require more practice, then carry on because the exercise has 180 questions or whatever. But if you're totally relaxed and and uh, have got the hang of it and indeed have self-marked with the answer key and all is fine, then hop on to the next thing. So it was great for having differentiation built in mm. uh, in terms of time rather than content, which I've always thought is an important thing with with differentiation. Well, I think this is what's so radical about your approach, because perhaps it is because you hit on this way of being able to do it. But I'm not sure any teacher who's written a course before has ever come at, come to it with the idea of the teacher should not have to supplement the course. The course should provide too much, if anything. So you'll be jumping through it and skipping over things. Personally, I've never come across a single course with that philosophy before. Yeah, I, I think that the technology certainly helped on that front. But I, I, I guess I, I began to realise I was 
having, despite having written two textbooks and taught for all these years, I was still having to create more stuff in my own teaching. And yeah. that was the thing. I thought, how, how am I still creating exercises on the second conjugation or something? <laughs> uh, you know, um, we, we, we all as a profession spend so much time reinventing the wheel. I think particularly so in our, uh, our, our field. And in point of fact, I've, um, I've just finished Clark's Greek part one, so that's about to be proofread and published later this year. I've got Clark's Latin six and seven still to go for common academic scholarship and GCSE. But once those are out of the way, my next project is to write a book of tests and quizzes. I, I shudder to think the number of times I wrote tests over and over again for different classes. Yeah. Um, and just being able to photocopy them from a book, uh, I think, should be another helpful uh, time saver for for everyone. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I employed many of the same philosophies that I had in, in Variatio and really throughout my teaching. I wanted prose composition from the very beginning. The moment you first do an unseen translation, you should then do a passage from, from English into Latin. I feel that's extremely important. Uh, I, I mean, as the ultimate acid test of whether a kid really has got the hang of something, but also just on principle, you would never teach French or Spanish uh, and have your pupils never compose in the target language. I mean, we would think that crazy. Mm. And yet that has become quite the norm in, in Latin teaching. Yeah. So I definitely wanted that throughout. I wanted a lot of analysis uh, and formation exercises. So if you're doing the third declension, say, really the starting point isn't a bunch of sentences. It's, can you give me the accusative singular of ducks or whatever? You've got to, you know, get to, I mean, it's also a way of remembering everything, remembering the vocabulary, remembering those endings, being able to form them in Latin, being able then to analyze them in reverse to say that's the accusative plural or, or nominative plural indeed. There could be various options for some of them. And then you can do some sentences and then do more complicated stuff. So it, there's always a, a gradated approach. What you said about the third declension is just absolute music to my ears, because I think one of the things I deal with most as a tutor is students are so disheartened because they've learned their vocabulary, but they can't, they still can't do it. And of course, what what they haven't had is that rigorous unpicking of how these words change as they decline what they look like being quizzed on that rather than just quizzed on the vocabulary and of course their parents unless they're latinists which i find is relatively unusual <laughs> uh, they can't help them with that so they can help their child learn their vocabulary but they're they're not really helping it as much as they'd like to be because yeah. they 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 can't say okay what will that look like in the genitive plural which is how I quiz them yeah well I mean when you when you think about the processes that our minds go through when translating even the simplest of Latin sentences it's it's fine after years of studying it it all happens automatically in our brains but for a kid who's done a couple of years of Latin they're still having to go now tas okay I I ask that's nominative vocative accusative the accusative is the object or it's after a preposition absolutely and, and what is an instantaneous process after years of studying mm. for them is, is you know process after process after process and the more you can automate that uh the the quicker they become and the more fluent they become there is a there is a key to the language why would you not teach that uh why would you ever leave people in the dark as to how something works and the workings of Latin are one of the great joys of the subject. I, I feel as a profession, we've we've really lost confidence 
in how enjoyable our own language is. And we're always trying to, to, to tart it up in some way, whether it's doing a lot of mythological stuff, which is fine and, and has its place, but doing a lot of a lot of pictures and stories and so forth, anything to distract from the nitty-gritty of the language. Mm. Well, actually, over all the years that I've taught, my pupils have, for the most part, uh, really enjoyed those those elements. Um, I think the, the code-breaking uh, aspect of it appeals to them. It's different from all the other subjects that they do. And it feels very rewarding, I think. Once you get the hang of it and you've done 40 questions and it feels easy, there's a real pleasure to that, uh, almost a sort of mindfulness vibe to it, I think. You, you've got the hang of something and it becomes automated and becomes comfortable uh, and you really feel like you're you're progressing. It's something that I'm seeing more and more because I'm using your course and I've never used a course of its type from scratch before. And my one of my worries was, well, how, you know, how are young people going to respond to this? Is it going to be a bit off-putting? Actually, quite the opposite. They're, they're getting such a kick out of the, the geekery of, of the process. Mm. That I'm finding really fascinating. And I like what you said about the idea of we've somehow lost faith or confidence in in the value of our own language that we're sometimes certainly so many classics teachers I know seem to spend their whole time trying to pretend that the subject is something that it isn't Mm. Um, and if you applied that to something like maths (laughs) (laughs) and to me Latin is very like maths in all sorts of ways like you say it's code breaking it's understanding underlying rules and principles and why would oh hello we've been joined by Kitty Yes, uh, <laughs> Professor Patch, my colleague here, always wishes to be involved in the conversation. <laughs> You're listening to the Latin Tutor Podcast. Stay tuned because we've got lots more to come from Ed Clark. If you'd like to get in touch with Ed, you can find him on his website, which is clarkslatin.co.uk. He's also on all the usual social media platforms. If you want to get in touch with me, you'll find me on my website, latintutoring.co.uk and again I'm on all the major social media platforms and generally hang out the most on Twitter but do stay tuned to hear more from Ed sadly not more from the cat who got a little bit bored with our conversation. How much resistance have you had to Clark's Latin because obviously there's a whole other camp who I really hope to get on this podcast if they'll talk to me, uh, <laughs> who believe in reading courses and they think that a course like yours is dry? Um, I mean, I, th- I think there will always be diehard fans of the Cambridge Latin course, minimus kind of kind of style. And on on some level, I do understand that in schools where, and this is increasingly the case, Latin is not compulsory and you're having to sell the language to people you know um for for me at school it was never an option everyone did latin um and uh, you know that was just the expectation and i guess there is an appeal to the clc if you're trying to uh to to sell the language to people in that if i'm being honest it gives the the illusion of progress rather <laughs> than, than what i would consider a genuine understanding of the language and both my parents said this, interestingly. They were both taught with the CLC in, I suppose, the late late 70s, early 80s. And both of them say the same thing, that, that they felt for a few terms, like they were really good at Latin and had really got the hang of it, and then were presented with a, 
uh, well, not GCSE, um, an O-level unseen, and fell apart because actually they didn't understand how the language was was working. So that was my, that's always been my, my, my beef with the other kind of category of textbook, if you, if you like. But I've, I've, I found people are being sold by, uh, by the, the, the Clark's Latin concept. I think it's appealing as a teacher to be told, here are a set of resources. You'll never need to create anything yourself. That obviously. Oh yeah, I can, I can vouch for that. <laughs> it's music to, music to people's, uh, people's ears, you know. Um, so that, that's, that's an appeal. And I think it's, the, the the model of it being available in electronic form and then printed as required um it, uh, appeals to to people in schools and but uh, but yeah it's been been pleasing to see interest really increase over the last last couple of years since it it came out in in lockdown and from quite a few people who i i would have thought more uh progressive than traditional in their in their classics teaching and of course another of the misconceptions with with doing hardcore grammatical stuff is that it, it has to be boring well i mean anything can be boring if you're if you're not uh teaching it in an inspirational way uh, nobody is advocating that you would teach in a rigorously grammatical way standing at the front and lecturing as if you're you know in a, a victorian schoolroom you do the detail, but you you bring it to life. But I think a lot of people are afraid of the rigorous grammatical approach because they only associate it with a, a schoolmaster in the 1930s holding a cane um, <laughs> and getting students to repeat things, even though if they don't understand them. And for the, yeah. our whole philosophy, both, both of us, it's about actually unpicking their understanding, making sure that yeah. they do. Because what you said your parents experienced I I have seen that a thousand times mm. as a tutor. I just took a call this morning. They hit a wall. Oh, he loved it in year seven or he loved it in year eight. And then suddenly things get a little bit harder and literally everything falls apart. Yeah. And it's a terrible shock to the parents because they thought their child was doing really well in this subject. And then suddenly they're failing and suddenly they hate it. Yeah. No, it's it's a, it's a, a real danger. And I think as well, it can be difficult because of that shortage of textbooks for years. We've not really had anything that was that was big enough and grammatically rigorous enough. And actually, to, to create your own resources is one thing. To try and create unseen translations with only the nominative case or only subjects and objects, the first declension and the present tense is not easy. <laughs> Um, I know you can vouch for that. <laughs> I, I can. I mean, I um, one of the the things I really wanted to do with with uh, book one, and and has has had great effect if I say so myself with my own students, was to delay bringing the accusative in, and instead to cover the business of adverbs and subordinate clauses. I think we have we've always before in Latin teaching had this assumption that because children have seen subclauses in their own language or other languages, that they will therefore translate them automatically uh, when studying Latin. And very often this is not the case. And children really struggle to break a sentence down into its constituent parts, which is obviously a, an important thing. So I had verbs, negatives and conjunctions, the nominative case, then adverbs and some subclauses, and I managed just about to create a couple of unseens that are nominative only, with a lot of intransitive verbs um, that, that just about hang together. 
But I think it's great to get them to a point where they've really got to grips with how a Latin sentence works. And then I bring in the accusative and then obviously work my way through the, the other cases. But uh, yeah, I like to think that's another selling point is that I've, I've, you know, created some stuff that's pretty difficult to, to come up with. There's a lot of combing Smith's English to Latin lexicon for <laughs> words and, and thinking, can I just about get away with this, this first <laughs> conjugation rare verb? Because I can't use duco yet or whatever. And, you know, well, if it was once in Caesar or Cicero, I think it's just about um, OK, you know. And then there are quirks like uh, I, I, I couldn't use the word die for four volumes. <laughs> you, you, you've only got pareo, irregular, or mori or deponent. Yeah. Um, which, and deponents don't even feature at common entrance. So, uh, you know, that's a, a hell of a thing. I had, you know, he, uh, was it um, Augustus breathes no more? <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> a bit hammy, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's not an easy endeavor sometimes, but I hope that that you know in in creating this project, I've gone some way towards resolving that that issue. And your latest project is posters for Common Entrance and GCSE. Is that right? Yes. So I, I've I've just launched uh, twelve of them. I can't quite remember what made me think I should go about doing this. <laughs> I came came up with the idea. Uh, I think back in the back in the summer at, at some point, but uh, as, as far as I know, it's never been done before. <laughs> Having gone through the process of creating them, I've begun to understand why it's <laughs> immensely <laughs> more difficult than I had anticipated. I mean, you're you're creating these things in in Word with multiple columns and tables, which as anyone who's worked in Word in depth knows is a nightmare. Mm. Uh, working at font point four in order to blow it up 283% to be a naught, you know, uh, it's a it's a complicated business. But I I, I think it's a, it's a really important thing. It's pretty rare to be able to say, here's a piece of paper with the entire syllabus on it. But I also print a, a smaller version in A2 that you can fold up twice and then unfold in a lesson or revising or whatever and, and consult. So you you are a tutor as well. Indeed. How do you fit it in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's um, it's rather nice now with the with tutoring rather than teaching uh, full time in schools. I, I do have a lot more time on my hands. It always used to be quite a, a strain to do the book writing at the same time. And indeed, really, part, partly Clark's Latin came to be so quickly because of lockdowns uh, and it was perhaps one of from my perspective the only positive things to come out of those those dreadful years was that I was stuck at home with nothing very much else to do and not being able to to go out and about and teaching over zoom so I had a lot of time free to 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 focus on the project I it's it was a very sort of monastic existence I think <laughs> being locked away by myself and writing thousands of words of Latin prose um <laughs> you know it's all, all a bit kind of name of the rose but uh but no I, I now my time is is more more flexible um I, I really enjoy the tutoring but it's it's lovely being able to to concentrate full time on the on the Clark's Latin project and market it and uh, well I'm glad it sounds like it's all going really well with the course and the posters and uh, yeah how many schools is clocks latin in now do you know do you know someone asked me that the other day and i have actually lost count i think it, it must be getting on for 25 or 30 
at this point. It's, wow. a, it's a good number. I mean, some now doing it in its entirety. So they've got the institutional e-subscription or a massive quantity of books. Others have bought a few books and are obviously doing a little bit of it with uh, either new students or catch up or whatever. Okay. Um, but actually, a, a nice thing that occurred to me, a friend of mine pointed out to me only recently, is that um, of all the people who have adopted Clark's Latin, no one's ever given it up, um, which is, is rather nice. Everyone who's subscribed in the first go has resubscribed subsequently, which is, you know... That's it's, impressive. It's nice that it's nice working. To it. So... Um, you know, it, it takes a long time to get the word out there with with these things. But um, but yes, have you listened to season one? I, I confess I haven't yet oh, God, uh, got around it. <laughs> I might save it for a long car journey or something. I, <laughs> They're I, quite I, short. <laughs> I, I usually record things onto cassette to play in my my Rover. It's so, uh, still you are, you're a, you're an amazing combination of 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 modern and retro. <laughs> you sort of like <laughs> came up with this amazing idea of using technology to write a latin textbook and yet you're still listening to cassette tapes <laughs> um and i mean they i tell you this makes me sound so old but they really don't make things like they used to you know <laughs> I mean, when I, I'm, I'm here my my hp desk chat 500 1990 uh, still merrily producing three pages a minute um, <laughs> you know whereas you buy a hundred thousand pound tesla and the moment you've driven it out of the shop it's gone wrong <laughs> Um, yeah, so, Allegedly, I, yeah, um, yeah, it's for legal reasons. <laughs> Sometimes you wish, you know, electrical faults and things. Thank you for listening to the Latin Tutor podcast, and thank you to Ed Clark, my wonderful guest. Do join me again because I've got many more guests to come in season two. Do you think I should cut that bit about the Tesla? Because Elon Musk is getting quite edgy on Twitter. I should probably cut this bit as well. <laughs>